Today I want to talk about seeking, seeking an answer. And of course, there's a lot of answers that we need right now as we just discussed. But seeking something, and at the heart of Christianity is seeking something greater than ourselves. And that's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 13, is the value of the kingdom of God. And we're all looking for value in this life, aren't we? We're all seeking something. Sometimes we're seeking a place to eat. Sometimes we're seeking a place to sleep. But most of us are searching for something even deeper than that, aren't we? We're seeking for something, for meaning, for purpose in our lives. And Jesus likened the kingdom of God unto a hidden treasure. And I like that. Or a pearl of great price. That it is of immense value. That once you find it, it changes your whole life. I think about hidden treasure and I like hidden treasure. I like to find, I would like to find some hidden treasure in my backyard. Amen? There's a guy by the name of Sir Martin Frobisher. Don't you like that name? He was an English sailor and privateer in the 1500s. They even named the bay in Canada, Frobisher Bay, after this guy. And he's recognized as the first European to set foot in Canada. And he made three trips to Canada. And when he was in Canada, he discovered gold. Gold. He found on his first trip, he found gold. And then on his second trip, he returned to England with 200 tons of gold. His third and last expedition was his greatest. Once they found out that they had gold there, boy, they didn't spare any expense. They sent with him, Sir Martin Frobisher, 15 sailing vessels, 400 men, 147 miners, four blacksmiths, five assayers in the crew, and they returned to England with 1,400 tons for Her Majesty. Now, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? To find that much gold. And it captures our imagination, doesn't it? That's the reason why we have books about Treasure Island. That's the reason why we like the movie National Treasure. That's probably the reason why you like antiques road shows. Or maybe you like going to flea markets or yard sales because you're out there looking for something of value. You like to discover it. You like to find it. I've only had a few of those discoveries in my life. Maybe only one. And I brought it with you today. With me today. This book. I bought this book along with a set of books in 1991 at a flea market. It was an old box. And I looked down in there and I saw these books and it's Clark's commentary on the Bible printed in 1847. And I was a, kind of a nerd. I loved books. And they wanted $40 for the set. So 
I'm a son of my dad. I talked him down to 20 and brought those home. And this year I was interested to see what these books are going for on the internet. And now you can find the same set at a later date for about $500 on the web. I found a little treasure, didn't I? I found a treasure. It was in an old box. No one cared about it. It was hidden away. No one cared about it. But when I found that treasure, I said, I've got something. Even so much as I'm going to talk you down from it. $20. And what Jesus describes the kingdom of God is this hidden treasure that's here on earth. It's here. And we need to be seeking it. We need to try to find it. And that once you find the kingdom of God, it is so valuable. And that's the whole point of this parable. It's about the value of the kingdom of God and the importance of the kingdom of God. He begins Matthew chapter 13 and he tells several parables in this chapter. He talks about the parable of the sower and he describes the kingdom and and that the kingdom is the word of God. The seed of the kingdom is the word of God and that man's heart is like the ground. And the seed comes upon different types of hearts. And we see that in life, don't we? There's the hardened heart, the wayside. There's the thorny hearts. There's the shallow hearts, the ones that are filled with stone. And then there's the good soil that the Word of God can implant. He talks about the wheat and the the tares. That one day there is going to be a judgment day where the wheat and the tares are separated. But for now, the kingdom of God has to grow and has to coexist with evil. And we see that today, don't we? That the kingdom of God is coexisting with evil and and the world is not going to be rid of evil until the very end. And God will declare judgment and He will separate the wheat from the tares. But right now, they have to co-mingle, coexist. And He also talks about the mustard seed. That the kingdom of God comes to us in very humble means and some people just dismiss it because it's a small little thing. Because people don't understand the power of the kingdom of God. And it's like this little mustard seed that when it's implanted, it's the smallest of the seeds. But when it gives birth in your life, when it's allowed to flourish in your life, it becomes the greatest of all the trees. You can't discount the kingdom of God. And he also says that the kingdom of God is so valuable. So valuable. And that's the kind of language we live in, isn't it? That's the world that we live in. It's all about value, isn't it? It's all about money. So when we talk about treasure, people's ears perk up, don't they? And Jesus describes this scenario of how valuable the kingdom of God is. And He wants us to find it. So it begins, number one, with the seeker. It says in both parables, a man found a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. And so each of us, if we're going to find the kingdom, we have to search for it. We have to seek after it. And that's a part of who we are as human beings, that we are seekers at heart. That's why we like the flea market. 
That's why we like to go looking for things. That's why we like Wikipedia, because we're curious, we're seekers. Kierkegaard said it was even more profound than that as human beings. Listen to this. The thing is, is to find a truth which is true for me to find the idea for which I can live and die. That at the heart of every human being, there is this drive within us to find a truth. To find something that I can live and die for. And that's a tall order, isn't it? What are you willing to live and die for? That's a big question, isn't it? But you're living for something. You're living for something right now. I don't know what it is. It may be for that next promotion. It may be for that girl to say yes. It may be to get more money in your bank account. It may be something to get a drink. But all of us are living for something. We're all living and dying for something. And Jesus confronts us and says, is it really worth it? You see, there is an eternal currency. We all deal in currency, don't we? But there is an eternal currency. And the thing about the eternal currency is that it is infinite while the currency here on earth is finite, including our lives. And there is the allurement of right now. So what are you living your life for? What are you exchanging your life for? What are you seeking after? Bonhoeffer said this about Christianity. Christianity preaches the infinite worth of that which is seemingly worthless. And the infinite worthlessness of that which is seemingly so valued. You see, the world has a whole lot that they're telling you matters. But really, when you look at it with an eternal perspective, it's worthless. What do we esteem? What do we hold important in our lives? What does our culture and society esteem as important? How about outward beauty? Do you think that our culture is obsessed with the way it looks? How much money, how much energy, and how much do we judge other people by how they look? They say first impressions are hard to overcome, but I guarantee it, if someone came up in a stretch limo, everybody would be wondering who was going to walk in the door. And some of us would say that person's opinion probably matters more than some people in here. And we're obsessed with beauty. How much is spent on making ourselves look better? But is that fleeting? And then we've got character, integrity. And those things take longer to know. Those take more effort, and and those things are revealed a lot of times by the fires that we have to live in. But what matters more? The coat you're wearing or the character that's within you? But yet, what is our society and what are we obsessing about?
What about materialism? We're seduced by outward beauty, but what are we bought and sold for? What am I selling myself for? In the world, in our society, esteems material things. What kind of house you have, what kind of car you drive, and not only that, what people think about me. Because I want everybody to think really well of me. Right? And sometimes we get obsessed with flattery and how people perceive us. But in the end, can that change on a dime? Does public sentiment change quickly? Let me tell you, it does. You can ask a lot of people who had number one records back in 1980, and they have a show for that. Where are they now? Sentiments change. They're out of vogue. And guess what? There's going to be some days where I'm out of vogue, where you're out of vogue, because people's opinions are fleeting. Just like material wealth is fleeting, and just like the outward appearance is fleeting. And the one thing about God is that He doesn't need anything from you. Do you know that? And that's why God's love is truly pure. Because with the rest of our relationships, sometimes we're asking, what do I get out of it? Because we have ulterior motives with the relationships that we have. But when it comes to God, His love is so pure because when you stand before Him and you try to offer Him something, He's like, it's already mine. But I love you anyway. You see, there is an eternal currency rooted in, in God Himself. That's why Jesus said, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves where? Treasures in heaven. That there are treasures, there are spiritual treasures in heaven. There is a spiritual reality that matters. And it actually it matters more than all of these things that the world convince us of. And that's why when we pursue earthly things, the goalpost always keeps moving. You notice that in life? You, make it, you can succeed at anything. And guess what happens? The goalpost just moves again. Oh, I just got, a, I got some more education. Oh, the goalpost just moved again. I just got a raise. I could use a little more money. I just went on vacation, but hey, I would like to go to Europe. The goalpost keeps moving in life. And guess what? We never find ourselves truly satisfied And we're chasing after things sometimes that are fleeting. And the absence of transcendence is futility. That's why in Ecclesiastes, he said over and over again, vanity of vanities all is vanity. There has to be something more in the seeker's life than just what this world has to offer. The Bible says, Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He is near. Seek the Lord. Or Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. So first you have the seeker seeking something, and that's all of us, isn't it? We're all seeking something. And then number two, we have the exchange. Exchange. 
You see, there is an exchange going on in our life, and we recognize an opportunity, and we exchange. And when it's the kingdom of God, Jesus says that we exchange for joy. We really find something worth our lives, worth giving to, something that enriches, something that ennobles, something that enables Let me ask you this. Have you ever seen the exchanges of life go terribly wrong? Have you ever seen someone exchange their life and it go wrong? I can look back into my past and I can see where I was exchanging my life for a bunch of bad apples. Have you? We see it when it's bad. We see lives that are broken when we exchange life for addiction. We see it when we see parents changing and handing over the well-being of their children for abusive relationships. We see the exchange go bad when people trade in their spiritual health to fit in. Or we see the exchange go bad when people trade in their integrity to get ahead. Or we see the exchange go bad when people hand over and desire power over human dignity. But we're all exchanging our lives for something. We have to root ourselves in the will of God. And it's in His will that our lives begin to truly align in the way that it's supposed to the psalmist of old says, buy the truth and sell it not. You see, there is a truth that we must give our lives over to. And when we surrender our lives to God, guess what it is? It's just a recognition of what is already true. God is sovereign. God is in control of this universe. And when I surrender my life to Him, I'm only validating and acknowledging what's already true. And the longer that I live in opposition to His will, guess what happens to my life? It falls apart. But when I surrender my life to His sovereignty, to His goodness, to His love, then my life and the relationships that are in it flourish as a result of that exchange. And then there's the treasure. The treasure which is described as a hidden treasure in a field or the pearl of great price. That it's worth our lives. It's worth surrendering our lives in exchange for it. Because you're surrendering to something. You're exchanging your life for something. Is it worth it? Colossians chapter 2, 1 and 10, Paul encourages and describes the Christian treasure he describes it with words like this, assurance of understanding. That when you understand Christianity and when you're living according to Christ's teachings, then you have the full assurance of understanding. You have the knowledge of the mystery of God. You have the good order and steadfastness. You have stability in your life. It says we're rooted and built up. We're established. And it also says we live and thanksgiving. And Paul says in verse 8 of Colossians 2, don't be cheated. 
You see, right now, there are people trying to cheat you out of the truth of who Jesus is. I've got something better to offer you. You don't have to live like that. But Paul says when we live in opposition to the truth of Christ, we're cheating ourselves when we give in to something else. Don't cheat yourself. Don't defraud yourself of the beauty that Christ offers the treasure. And he also talks about that pearl of great price. It's interesting about how a pearl is formed, isn't it? That an oyster, a pearl is created. And I, I'm trying to find some pearls on any ladies today. I don't see any. I'm sure none of you would turn them down. But a pearl is formed in the heart of an oyster in the deep, dark ocean. And they're formed when a piece of sand gets into the oyster. And that sand irritates the oyster. It cuts the flesh of the oyster. And the oyster begins to secrete what's called nacre. And it begins to coat that piece of sand to repair itself. And as a result, layer after layer after layer creates that beautiful pearl. But where does it begin? It begins in its woundedness, oddly enough. It begins in its weakness. And sometimes in our own life, we become wounded by things that happen to us. But when we surrender our life to God, God can turn that wound. God can turn that irritant into something greater. Paul said it like this, we know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and have been called according to His purpose. And that's the kingdom of God. God takes our weakness. God takes our woundedness. God takes our brokenness. And what does He create? A pearl of great price. I did tell you about my friend, Sir Martin Frobisher, who had 400 men aboard the ships, 147 miners, four blacksmiths, five assayers, and a crew that returned the mother load of 1,400 tons of ore to Her Majesty. But he really didn't discover gold. He discovered iron pyrite. Fool's gold. Boy, that must have been a confidence shaker to bring back that many tons of worthlessness. But my question to you, what are you bringing back? What are you investing the blood, sweat, and tears and time of your life in? Is it truly worth it? And then the question comes to us and the truth comes to us is that God sees you as the treasure. God sees you as the treasure and God seeks us. Christ came into the world to seek and to save the lost. And there was an exchange made for humanity's goodness. 
In fact, some have described it that God bankrupted heaven of His Son to save you and to save me. Is that a treasure? It's a treasure worth living for. Are you a Christian this morning? Have you surrendered your life to the will of God? Have you truly acknowledged Him as your Lord and Savior? The Bible says that begins in faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That we repent of our sins. We see what sin does to us. We see what sin does to our family. We see what sin does to our community. And we turn from that. We desire something better. And we confess Jesus for who He is. That He is our Savior. And we're baptized, immersed into His body, the church. And we begin to walk with Him. And when we find that treasure, it's a new life. It's a new beginning. It's a new hope. It's a new assurance. It's a new peace that we've never known before. Or maybe you're a Christian and you've been surrendering that treasure for something else that's inferior. Then we want to pray for you. If you have any need, we're going to sing this next song to encourage you. If you have any need, we want you to come now as together we stand and as we sing.